you got to tell your friends, if you want to hear the best music in the city, you got to come to church. You need to come to church. Uh, that, that's not bragging. That's just a fact. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. That's fun. That's good. Hey, before we, uh, before we jump in here, the sermon, um, need to have a little, little discussion. If you're here for the first time, you know, we don't, we don't sit around and talk about money here at Grace Chapel all the time. And I'm not, I don't want to talk about the budget and where we are, the budget. We've, we're bringing in more money this year than we did last year. Uh, God has truly blessed us. But here's the reality. I have never in my whole entire life as a pastor seen the kind of stress that people are under uh, more than we are right now. The economic situation in our country is really, it, it's, it's real and it's happening right here in our own body. Um, there are so many people within this church who are, who are financially struggling. And these aren't people who are sitting around, don't want to work. These are people working two jobs. These are, you know, single moms or, you know, dad lost his job. Mom's going back to work. The stress level, okay, in this country right now is at a place I've never seen it. And the stress level within the churches, our church and other churches, is where I've never seen it. Um, now, I know many of you are, who have jobs, you know, you're thinking, I've got to make sure I put enough away and protect myself financially. And that's very true. But there are people in the church that are sitting right next to you that have, are way past, um, gosh, I wish I could put some money away and, and feel safe in the future. They're at the point now where it's tough to pay bills. It's tough to buy food. It's tough to get medicine. It's tough to, and the church is doing everything humanly possible to give as much money as we can to those people in need. We don't have, um, we're not an old church and we don't have old money in a sense, you know, in accounts. We have about right now $350 sitting in our general fund. It's not because we're squandering our money. It's because we're doing everything we possibly can to take care of our own and invest in the lives of the people here to relieve some of that stress. So I want to encourage you, if you have a job, um, if you have a little put away, I know it's hard. I know it's going to be a sacrifice. I know I'm asking you to step out in faith to maybe give a little more. But right now the elders fund is depleted. We don't have any more. People are coming in who go to our church, and I'm physically having to tell them, I'm sorry, we just don't have the resources to give you right now. You know, wait till next week. We'll see what we can do, those kinds of things. It breaks my heart because, again, this is not like we talked about sluggers and poor people months ago. These are, these are good folks. These are your neighbors. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ that are right around you that need your help. So um, we don't, we're not going to pass the offering plate around. We don't do that at Grace Chapel. But we have offering boxes here and here. If you would, please, please consider, especially next week's going to be because of Thanksgiving. Uh, predom- you know, uh, historically, it's a low giving weekend, um, and that's really going to hurt. Uh, so if you can, think of what you can sacrifice and what you can give. Either mail it in or give it this morning so that we can make sure we're taking care of all the things that we need to take care of at the church. Um, just unprecedented times right now. I, I, do you guys see that too for when you're just the stress level of the country? I mean, every, the stress level is just incredible. It's, it's never seen anything like it. So um, we're, we're going to be uh, looking at Romans chapter 12 verses one and two this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can open up. I'm sure it's on the screen as well. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. 
Over the last few weeks, we've been in a series called Follow the Leader. And we've been looking at uh, what it means to live out an incarnational philosophy. Uh, in other words, when Jesus Christ walked the earth, how did he do ministry? How did he live his life? And then how can we follow in his footsteps? We've talked about um, our desire to be creative without compromise. You know, we want to reach out to our world and we want to make a difference. And we're using our facilities to do that. And the things that we're building, we're trying to reach out to our community. We're trying to be creative. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you can go you can go to any whatever club, whatever else in, in Cincinnati. And I'm sorry, but you're th- this is as good as anything you're going to see anywhere. And these people are using their gifts and talents and abilities. And we're being creative with our resources. We're being creative with our facilities, with the ministries that we're doing. And we're trying to honor Jesus Christ and walk in his footsteps and be the be the best that we can be without compromising. You can be creative without compromise. That's what Christ would call us to do. So we've learned what it means to be creative without without compromise. We've refused to embrace this philosophy of secular and sacred. We talked about that Plato's philosophy that says, you know, there's secular and there's sacred. We're saying no, a biblical worldview says it's either sacred or sinful. There's no such thing as secular. If it's not sinful, by definition, it's, it's sacred. God created it all. Satan can only corrupt and steal what God has created. So we need to redeem. We need to take back what belongs to God. All when you go to work, when you go to school, when you're, in your, when you're on your team, when you're in your dance team, when you're doing whatever you're doing, that all belongs to God. And God wants you to bring glory to him. He wants you to bring glory to him in every area of your life. And we talked about that. And then last week, we had an opportunity uh, to hear Drew talk about prayer and what, how we can be more conformed to the image of Christ as we pray. And I just want to, not to embarrass him or anything, but um, just want to let you know that he had, a, he had hours, not days. He had hours to prepare that sermon last week. And I thought he did an outstanding, outstanding job with that, that sermon. Um, and, uh, you know, and people will say sometimes, well, you know, I pray and I don't see God moving. I sometimes I pray. I don't see miracles. And I just want to give you a, a real quick update on the on the topic of prayer. Um, we saw a miracle this week. We saw a miracle in the life of a, a young lady in our in our church, Carly, when she uh, with that dog attack. Um, the doctors said when they when they reattached, they said that there's a ninety nine percent chance. This is later, like a day later, that that would not take. Um, it was kind of getting ashy colored and they were, they said, you know, you, you know, whatever you need to do, pray, whatever, because there's a 99% chance this is not going to work. And, uh, they were, they were going to take her to surgery and they pricked her lip with a pin and it started to bleed. And the doctor was like, I would have bet a million dollars that wasn't going to happen. Um, and a doctor told me on Thursday, quote from the doctor, not the, not the, the chaplain of the, you know, of children's hospital talks to a pastor about miracles. The doctor said, we have no medical explanation for why this is working right now. Um, that's yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, just, we want to keep praying though. We want to be, we're cautiously optimistic. We want to keep praying because there's still things that need to be prayed over. A family was telling me this morning, um, so just keep praying uh, hard, strong for her and her recovery. God is doing miracles. We want to just con- continue to pray. But prayer works. And, we, and as we pray, we draw closer to God. We become more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're following our leader. 
In Romans chapter 12, we're commanded to not be conformed to the image of this world, not be conformed to those things around us. Now, before we move on, I want to define the word conform because it has such an incredible impact on our everyday lives. The idea of conformity. Um, If we're going to become more like Jesus Christ and we're going to impact our world, then it's vitally important it's, it's so important that, that, that we understand this concept of conformity. And so I'm going to read you a definition um, from Webster's. It says, to make or become similar in form or character, to act or to be in compliance, to act in accordance with the prevailing modes or customs. Okay? See, no matter, what, no matter who you are, what situation you're in, you're going to face situations where the world is going to expect you to conform to its likeness. That's all there is to it. And they want you to comply. And they use these words, comply in accordance with prevailing modes and customs. In other words, we desire to be like everyone else. When you conform, you desire to be like everyone else. You want to you want to you want to do what they do. You want to say what they say. You want to you want to live the way they're living. You want to dress the way they're dressing. You're conforming to the image of this world. That's what they what's what the world wants. When we conform, we accept the the ideas, the fashions, the way that they walk, the way they talk, the way they live their lives. We're, we're accepting that we're becoming more like them. And that's what this that's what this is talking about. We're becoming more like those who are maybe popular in school We're becoming more like the majority, whatever you want to call it, whatever this world. That's what we become more like. And what the Bible is saying is, no, don't conform to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Become more like Jesus Christ. A conformist is afraid to be different. They're afraid to be different. They, 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 they have a need to feel like everybody else. They want to be like everyone else. They don't want to stand out. But the problem is that God created us to be uniquely different, to stand out. I love this quote by Doug Floyd. It says, you don't get harmony when everybody sings the same note. Think about that. I mean, we're up here. Don't you love the harmonies of our worship team? Don't you love when they when they bring a harmonica into the guitar and then the drums? You know, you, that was a cool song. And then all of a sudden, the, other, the rest of the band came and the drum beat is going. And, you know, you're getting I was watching your faces because I the first service. People were just smiling from ear to ear. And I was watching people's faces as the rest of the band comes in. They're all using different instruments. Can you imagine they were up here all playing a harmonica and singing the same, you know, be like, yeah, that's all right. That's what that's what's happening. It, you, we don't we don't want to play the same tune. We want to we want to be we want to be in harmony with one another. We want to do things that are just, you know, how God has created us individually. In any society, there is a tremendous pressure to conform to the standards of that group, to be like everyone else, to sing the same notes. That's what they want. They want you to line up. They want you to walk and talk and, and just and sing the same tune that they're singing. But that's not the way we're, we were created. We were, not, we were not created to conform to the image of this world and sing the same tune. When we, when we think of conformity, we often think of kids. Um, but, you know, I'll tell you what, we all struggle with this. It's something we all have to deal with. We all are pulled to conform as well. Now, it's true that the, the pressure to conform is more powerful. It's stronger in the preteen and teen years. And part of the problem is the reason they, they have such a difficult time during those years is that they don't really know who they are. 
That's, they, don't, they don't understand really who they are. That's for part of the problem is they don't understand their true identity. If you're in junior high or high school this morning, that's what I'm saying to you. The problem is some of the most difficult things you have to deal with. And, and the reason you conform much of the time is because you don't understand your true identity. You don't understand who you were truly created to be. And so you just get kind of washed along with what everybody else is doing. You know, you want to be accepted by your by your peers. And don't get me wrong. I totally understand that. You know, whenever you see uh, like the trench coat mafia where they had that, that, that shooting and you say, well, how can anyone act that way? How can anyone live that way? How, why would anyone want to be that way? Well, you know what? If you got picked on from fourth grade or third grade all the way through junior high and you're looking at this huge high school going into it as an individual and people are going to ridicule you and pick on you and it's miserable, man, you'll become you'll you'll adapt to whatever group will let you in. You'll dress like them. You'll act like them. You'll listen to their music. You'll do whatever not to spend four years of torture in a school by yourself. So I understand why it happens. I do. I completely understand. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to understand who we are. The problem with many Christians, they conform because they don't understand their true identity. Here is another problem. You go on this group and everyone likes you. But at the end of the day, everyone likes you but you. Everyone likes you but you. Because after a while you're thinking, you know, it's so frustrating not to be able to be myself. Not to be able to say what I want to say and how I want to say it. Not to be able to express my feelings. Not be able to use the gifts and talents that God has given me because someone's going to think a certain thing or act a certain way or I'm going to be ridiculed or whatever else. And so you're, you're not who you want to be. So at the end of the day, everybody else likes you except for you. You don't like who you are. The problem is because you know who you are. You know what you're, what you're feeling. You know what you want to express, but you can't express it because you have to be like everyone else. And you become a people pleaser. You spend your life trying to please everybody else. What's going to be acceptable? What, you, know, you calculate. What an exhausting thing to do. You have to calculate what you're going to say based upon how you think other people are going to react. It's the reason you struggle, with, whether you're a student or adult, it's the reason you struggle with your self-image. It's the reason you're struggling with your self-image. You don't know who you are. You don't know who you are because you're having to conform to what everybody else wants you to be and you've lost yourself. And you're wondering, I don't, I'm unhappy. I don't get to express myself. I don't get to be myself. I always have to calculate everything I say. That's not the way to live. It's not how God created you. And so you don't know, you have, you're struggling with your image, your self-image and all these kinds of things. It's part of the problem. That is part of the problem. I love this quote by Dr. Seuss. You've got to love Dr. Seuss. Be who you are and say what you feel because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. Don't you love that? I love that. Just be yourself because those who mind don't matter. They don't matter. And those who matter don't mind. The people who love you, the people who really want an intimate relationship with you, the people who want to get to know you, they want you to be yourself. They want you to be yourself around them. You don't have to be someone else to be accepted within their group or in their hearts. And so he says, you know, the people who mind, they don't matter and they don't matter. It's amazing. I know this is impossible to understand now, but when you get out of high school, you don't give a rip what these people think at all. 
I mean, it's like well, you spend you feel you feel like I remember thinking some of the same thing. You know, I, I spend four years worrying about what these people think. I don't even know. I don't. I think I know like three people from you know. And you spend all those years worrying so much about what people who don't matter think. The people who matter, they don't care. They don't mind. They love you the way you are. Listen, and here's something else. Having people not like you, having people not like you, is not always a bad thing. All it really means is that at some point in your life, you stood up for what was right. You're not going to get everyone to like you. And a lot of the time they don't like you is because you at one point in your life when they were, hey, let's go do this or let's do that. Or they were doing something that was cruel. Or they were doing something that was just flat out wrong. And you said, you know, I'm not going to I just I don't really want to do that. I don't really want to take that. I don't really want to go there. I don't want to, you know, and they're like and they're angry at you. They don't like you. Well, having people not like you sometimes is just the fact that you were willing to stand up under their pressure when they wanted you to conform. You wouldn't do it. And so they don't like you for it. You know what? Hey, that's a badge of honor. That's a badge of honor. If everybody likes you, there's something wrong. I'm telling you right now. If everybody who ever met you likes you, you're doing something wrong. Not everyone's going to like the decisions you make. Not everyone's going to like the the way you handle things. Not everyone's going to like what you say in certain situations. And much of the time, it's because you're standing up for what's right. You know, when everybody's running down the road doing whatever, and you're standing and saying, no, I'm not going to do that, it ultimately makes them look bad. There's something now to, to compare how you're handling it and how they're handling it. And people don't like that. They want to drag you along. You have to be like us. You know why? Because you're making us look bad. You're making us look a certain way. And so they ridicule you when in reality, in their heart of hearts, they probably want to be like you. And that's the truth. You know, our kids are constantly bombarded by, by the media advertisements telling them who they should be and also how they can achieve that status. Here's who you're you, supposed to I'm going to do a sermon one time and give you specific examples. I sit at home sometimes and watch this Dutch TV or listen to things. I'm thinking they are brainwashing people. We are brainwashed to think certain things. They're telling you, if you're a woman here's, or a girl, here's what you're supposed to look like. Here's what you're supposed to be. And then they tell you how you can achieve the goal that you're supposed This is it. This is what you're supposed to be, what you're not. And then they tell you how to get there. Here's what you buy. Here's what you do. Here's how you're supposed to act. If you want to be this perfect person that we've created, it's not who God's created, it we've created. And then here's how you achieve that status. And so we're all running in circles trying to find something that really doesn't exist. But as long as we're spending money and they're brainwashing us and telling us what we're supposed to do and who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to act. Now, some people may be thinking, well, you know, you're making too much of a deal out of this. But here's the reality. Here's a problem. Here's another really concern this can lead you conforming can lead you to do things as a Christian that goes against your convictions as believers in Jesus Christ. This this is what leads us. This is who we, this is, Jesus Christ is who we follow. God's word is what we follow. And what happens is when you, when you conform, you no longer follow the word of God. You follow some other leader. And that leads you to make mistakes or, or go against your convictions. You're following something or someone else besides Jesus Christ. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, we need to focus on him. Let me give you an example of this. 
In uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Transform, renewing your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's the battle right there. The renewing of your mind. And so the Bible says, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. It goes through all those things. And Philippians chapter 4 says, think about such things, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. And those are the things we're supposed to dwell on. Why? Because those are the things that help us become more like Jesus Christ. Those are the things that help us conform to the image of Jesus Christ. But then you take that, what I just described to you, and I'm not going to show it because I just thought it was too rude to, to bring to church. I looked at some top 20 lyrics of the music that's out right now. If you're a woman, you should be massively offended. It is horrifying what they're saying about women. The songs, and these are top 20. All the kids are, you know, not all of them, but a lot of kids are just jamming away to this stuff. They're, they're singing, and they're, they're listening to it and everything. And this is what's going into their heads. Not, not many times, if I was honest with you, if you were honest with me, and don't raise your hand, and, you know, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but here's the reality. If I said to you, if I got you up on stage and said, can you, can you quote three verses from the Bible, any of them? Jesus wept doesn't count kind of thing, but can you quote, can you quote like, you know, give me three or four verses from the entire Bible. Okay, I think people would like panic and really not know what to say. I mean, can you can you sing the the three of the top songs on the radio right now? They'd be rallying it out. And and the problem is they like the tune. They like the music. But and I I'm sorry, but you have to know the words, guys. You have to know the words. They're disgusting. A lot of them. Okay, so the Bible is saying, think about such things. Dwell on these things. Focus on these things. Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is admirable, all these things. But then you have the world saying, now, think about these things. And they're, and they're, they're demeaning. They're vile. They're violent. They're disgusting. Not all of it. Don't get me wrong. Okay, remember we said secular. No thing is secular, sacred. If a song is good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. Some of these songs that we're listening to are just flat out bad. And I'm, what I'm encouraging you to do is make to, to, to differ, differentiate, you know, use your reason and look at the ones that are bad and not dwell on the things that are, they're just flat out. I don't know what to call it. It's sin. Uh, I know, oh, you can't say sin anymore in this country. It's sinful. It's wrong. It's bad. I don't know what else to say. And, and this is what we're, what, what we're dwelling on. This is what you're being, you're, and our kids are sometimes it's going into their minds, you know, and we conform and become less like Christ. And, and part of the, you know, one of the things that really gets me, let's think about this week, is people will say, well, man, you go to church, that's not cool. Maybe there's another word now for cool, but, but you know, it's just not cool. Jesus is not cool. And I sit back, I was 18 years old, this bothered me. Okay, and now I'm 49, it really bugs me. Jesus isn't cool. All right, the guy who's demeaning women and he's disgusting, foul-mouthed, whatever else, lives a life of destroying his family, you know, doesn't care about anyone else, arrogant. The arrogance is unbelievable. He's cool. This is the person we're following, this person? And you're saying Jesus isn't cool? Can we just, like, have the record one next to the other? I mean, Jesus Christ, physically, emotionally, spiritually, has people, I mean, think of what he went through for you physically, what he was able, the strength that this man had, the strength to go through the beating, ripping, beating him with a whip that had metal shards and, and stones attached to it. So it ripped him wide open. It wasn't like, oh, 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 I'm getting beat with a belt. He got beat with something that would rip your meat off your body. OK, 
This, this person, Jesus Christ, withstood all of that physical pain. Then they hung him on a cross and he withstood the emotional and spiritual pain of taking the sin of the world on him. He sacrificed when he walked this earth for people all the time. He was kind to the people who recognized their own sin. He was aggressive and stood strong for those people who thought they were arrogant and uh, religious leaders. He was a man's man all the way around. He wept for people who were hurting. This guy was cool. I followed Jesus. Jesus Christ is he's really, really cool. I want to be like Jesus because he's the coolest person who ever walked the earth by any definition, unless you're going to say that bad someone who's doing something horrible and hurting other people and ridiculing and putting people down is cool. If that's your definition of cool, you got me. But by every normal definition of what is honestly cool, Jesus Christ is cool. And I want to follow someone that cool. I want to be like someone that amazing and that cool. But then they try to ridicule us and make us feel awkward and uncomfortable. Don't talk about you. Oh, Jesus, you, <laughs> you go to church. Yeah, the best, best, some of the best music in the city comes out of our church. Um, you, know, uh, you know, we do some of the most amazing things. You know, oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to ride, I'm, I'm going off a little bit. I'm going to take my car and go really fast over a hill. I'm really cool and everything else. Well, you know, I'm going to go to Nigeria and go to a place that, you know what, it may, in, in Mexico, Nigeria, places that tr- stretch your faith, where you're sacrificing, where you have to put yourself out for someone else, where you're laying your life. You know what I'm saying? These are, these are the things that make you become a stronger and better person. Going fast in a car... Woohoo! You know what I'm saying? I mean, wow! You know what I'm saying? But you're going down and you're doing amazing things with your youth ministry. You're doing amazing things as a church. You're sacrificing and serving other people. You're putting your life... I mean, that is that to me, okay? That is what we need to be. The world offers us nothing. Nothing that we, that, that God doesn't offer that's better. You want to get an adrenaline rush? I can, you want to get an adrenaline rush? Uh, you come and see me and I'll put you in a couple situations. I'll give you an adrenaline rush. Okay? Is that what you want? You know, guys want that adrenaline rush. I can give you the adrenaline rush better than the world can give it to you. Honestly. Their, their adrenaline rushes are lame compared to what God can offer. And what God offers actually has meaning and purpose. Not just, oh, look what I did. You know, whatever they, that show, they jump off things. And it's like, you know, that's just dopey. Uh, you know, it's like, that just shows uh, not too much brains there. Um, so we want to, you know, we want to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And the, here's another problem. When, when, when someone gives in, something very, very um, wrong happens in our lives. Something valuable is lost, and the next time that you have to, the next time you cave, it's so much easier to cave. You start caving and caving, and it becomes so much easier to cave. In First John chapter two, verses fifteen through seventeen, it says this: Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For any anything in the for everything in the world, the cravings of the sinful man, the lust of the eyes, the boasting of what he has or does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. It doesn't, listen, pass away, which means they have no value. What they offer you has no value. The imitation high, the imitation, you want to get high? I, well, that's another thing. I can tell you how to get high, okay? The imitation high has no value. The imitation general rush really has no value. It all passes away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. It has value here and for eternity. You know, if conforming can have such a profound physical, emotional, and spiritual impact in our lives, 
then how do we stand strong and overcome it? How do we do that? How do, how do, we, how do we face that? Let's, let's go back to our leader, Jesus Christ, and to the man who said, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus Christ, Paul, who we're going to talk about next week. We're going to get into Paul and look at what he says. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. What does that mean and how can we live that out as well? As Paul followed Jesus, he became known as a transformer and not a conformer. A transformational person. He went into his world and he transformed his world. A conformer adapts and becomes whatever, whatever, wherever his environment is. So whatever his environment is, like a chameleon. They become, a, a conformer becomes superficial. They become shallow. They become, honestly, they, they become a, a cheap imitation of what they were created to be. Let me try to explain this to you. I think I'm just trying to, a, a visual. Okay, if Jesus is here, okay, conform the image of Christ. Here's Jesus. Here's the world. Okay, here's you. The more like Jesus Christ you become, the more you conform to the image of Christ, the more you become the perfect you. The person that you were created to be before the foundation of the world. That's who you, so the more you become like Jesus, the more you become the person that God predestined and, and created you to be. The more you become like the world, the less you become like the person you were created to be. You become shallow. You become just a a false idea of yourself. You become less of who you were created to be. You become less of that. Let me give you an example. We're in Mexico. We took a group of junior hires to Mexico, mostly boys. And that was very, I'm sorry, not Mexico, New York. We took a group of boys to, to New York, junior high boys to New York. Why, why we did that, we have no idea. Deb and I still talk about it to this day. What were we thinking? So we take them to New York and they're selling, you know, folk leaves. You know what I mean? Uh, and, then, and one of the guys walks up to me and he goes, Pastor Jeff, I just got a Rolex watch for 10 bucks. You know, the guy's got like, you know, 150 Rolex, you know, Rolex spelled with it, whatever. And uh, he's like, oh, man, I saw wait my friend see it. And I'm not exaggerating. We got about five blocks away and he's going. Pastor Jeff, my watch isn't working. <laughs> I said, because that's a it's an imitation of the real thing. It's not the real thing. It's an imitation. And he held it up to the sun. It sparkled. It, it didn't work, but it sparkled. It really sparkled nice. But it was an imitation of the real thing. If you seek after this world and try to conform to the image of this world, you are going to become a cheap imitation of the person that God created you to be. You get all your whole life. You're going to be going, I know there's more to life than this. I don't understand why I'm feeling this way. Why am I so discouraged? Why am I so depressed? Why am I so? Why don't I understand my own identity? Why I don't understand the will of God? That's how you talk the entire time, because you're a cheap imitation of the person you were created to be. The more like Jesus Christ you become, the more perfect you become the person that you were created to be. Now, you're not perfect in this world, but ultimately we get a glorified body. But in this world, you get to live out your, your gifts, your, 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 your talents, your abilities, your mind, everything, everything you were created to be. God uses those things for his glory and you become that kind of person. You become, listen, the real you. You become the real you. Conformers lose the ability to think for themselves and they're carried along by the road of life, by this road, by the crowd. They're carried on in this road, the road that they're on by the crowd, by what's going on, by what everybody else is doing, what everybody else is saying. And don't think that you're on the right road just because it's a well-beaten path. 
I don't know about you, but you ever, you ever been on vacation and everyone's on the road that, you know, they take a tour or whatever else. You, you ever realize that the most exciting things you've ever seen in your life sometimes are off the beaten path when they keep moving. You're like, let's go that way. You know, let's go down. Let's go over to check this out. Some of the most exciting things are when you leave the group, when you leave the when you leave the crowd and you go exploring. How many, how many people like to really explore? Get in your car and explore. You like to go exploring on vacation. You don't like to everybody tell you exactly where to go. It's exploring. That's where the excitement is. You want to be thinking outside of the box. You want to you want to be doing things that, that, that the other people aren't doing. You you know, it's like you're so excited to to blaze a new trail. Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote this, and I love it. Do not follow those. Do not follow where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. You know, go, go, go blaze your own trail. Doesn't matter what all your friends are doing. If they're doing something that you don't want to be doing, go blaze your own trail. A transformer is a person who knows who they are and they knows they know who who they belong to. You should know who you are, who you belong to. I know I'm not there yet by a long shot, but I pretty much know who I am. You know why? I know I know I belong to Jesus Christ. I know whose I am, so I know who I am. It's a great feeling. It's a great feeling to know that. John 10, 27 reminds us, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Remember, follow the leader. Follow the leader. Follow our leader. The the, the change that true followers go through in this life is real and it's lasting. When you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the Holy Spirit, it is true and it is lasting. A a transformer understands what Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. I don't know the will of God for my life. I don't understand the will of God for my life. We hear that all the time. You know what the will of God for your life is? You can take a note. The will, of your God, the will of God for your life is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Your goal in life, the will of God for your life, is to be more like Jesus Christ. What you do with that is not as important as understanding that concept. Understand your, your goal in life, your, God's will for your life and my life is to be conformed to the image of Christ. When you understand that, then he'll show you how he's going to use your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your resources, everything else to glorify him. You'll understand the specific will that he has for you. But first and foremost, the most important thing is that you conform to the image of Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Renewed day by day. You're a different person. The Holy Spirit's working on you. You're being transformed. You're being changed day by day. When we go through real transformation, my friends, we don't struggle with our identity as much. And we're, we, are not, we are not swayed by the, by the thoughts and the ideas and the whatever else of the world. When you understand that you're not swayed, you're not easily swayed by others. A person who's a transformational person realizes what 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is because it did not know him. Honestly, the world may not know who you are. The world may not know who I am, but you know what? I know who I am. I'm a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
a person belonging to God. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a person who belongs to God. You are God's child. You are you are created to be conformed to the image of a son, Jesus Christ. The world may not understand you. Your friends may not understand you. But you know what? God knows who you are and you should know who you are. A conformer is a follower and a transformer is a leader. They try to they, they, they try to think what no one else is thinking. They, they try to read what no one else is reading. They try to they try to do something that no one else is doing. Here it is. It's freedom. Imagine this. Imagine just knowing who you are. And being able to just be yourself, the freedom of just going out and using your gifts and using your abilities and not be worrying about what this person thinks or that person thinks or where you should go here or whatever. Just being having the freedom to know I know who I am. I know whose I am. And I'm just going to live my life exactly the way God wants me to live it. And when I make a mistake, when I fall short, you know what? God will forgive me. I ask for forgiveness. I move on. There is such freedom in that relationship. They show other people, transformers show other people what is good and pleasing and perfect. They set example for others to follow uh, to, to, and how to be strong under, the, under all that pressure that we face. They encourage other people to do what's right. Joshua 24, 14 and 15 says this. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worship beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Some people are saying, well, I don't live in Amoriteville and I don't live in all these places. I don't really apply to me. Let me, let me ask you a question. Here's a question I want you to, to think about. Um, do, you, do you look sound, act, and live like, more like the world? Or do you live sound, talk, whatever, talk, and live more like Jesus Christ? Saying, that's what he's saying. You've got to make a choice. It's a choice. You can't have one foot in the world, one foot. It's a choice. When, when someone looks at you, what do they see? Do they see everybody else? Do they see something different? A conformer follows the one with the loudest voice or who, who's, you know, who's basically you know, sounding the, has the, maybe the best idea at the time. Whoever has the best idea at the time, whoever has the the loudest sounding voice, whatever else, that's the person they follow because they're a conformer. They just kind of go along. They're led by what other people think. They want what other people, and they they follow fools and they get themselves into trouble. In Proverbs 13, 20, it says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. You want to get yourself into trouble? You 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 want your life to be kind of miserable? Keep following the crowd. A companion of fools suffers suffers harm. Walk with the wise and grow wise. We need to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Listen, the the opposite of courage is not cowardice. It's conformity. The opposite of courage is not cowardice. It's conformity. It's conforming. It's just doing what everybody else is doing, what everybody else tells you to do, how everybody else tells you to act, how everybody else tells you to think. That's the definition of the opposite of courage is conformity. I got to be like everybody else. I got to do what everybody else is doing. I don't want anybody else to got to stand up. You've got to stand up for what is right. You've got to stand up for what is true. 
and not conform, but be a transformer. Listen, we all face pressures, no matter who you are, no matter how old you are, we all face pressures in this world. We're all under pressure to conform, but we all have to make a choice. Every single one of us in this room has to make a choice. We will either fold under the pressure and be led by those who are lost themselves or follow the ultimate nonconformist. That's why he's so cool. You want to follow someone cool, you follow the ultimate nonconformist, Jesus Christ, and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You are unique. You are a creation of God with specific gifts and abilities. And God can use you in a powerful way, but he can't if you're becoming like everybody else. We are going to conform to something, my friends. And what I'm saying is that we conform to the image of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, it says this, For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Bow your heads with me, if you will. Every single one of us needs to make a decision this morning. And for some of you, you don't, you know, you're hearing this and you're saying, yes, you know, this is the way I want to live my life. You're, this, is, this makes sense to me. I haven't come to church very often, but this finally makes sense. I don't want to live and be dictated and be brainwashed by how the world wants me. I want to have freedom and be myself in Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. In Romans 10, 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. What you're saying is, God, I want Jesus to come into my heart and to be the Lord, to be the Lord of my life. I want him to be the director of my life. I no longer want to try to follow after what everybody else wants me to do. I want you to show me who I truly am so I can live out what you called me to do in this life. It's as easy as asking Jesus to come into your heart and as hard as doing your best to the best of your ability, trying to be like him for the rest of your life. If that's something you want to do this morning, if you're saying, Jesus, that's all you have to say. There's no magic formula. Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. I want you to be Lord. I want you to be director of my life. Then I want you to do one thing with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed. Just put your hand up if that's the first time you've ever said, Lord, come into my life. Just raise it up and put it back down. Awesome. Amen. Amen. Father God, thank you that we can be here together as brothers and sisters in Christ and encourage one another to be more like you. Not to be carried away, not to be pulled away, but to stand strong for you to be your people, to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to you. Let us stand strong against the pull of this world so that we can, be, we can be yours, Lord God, and we can transform the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.